We're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and I will read for us verses 4 through 8. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. This is the word of the Lord for us. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good uh, to be together this morning. Uh, If you're new with us uh, for the past number of weeks, uh, we have been studying the book of Philippians. Um, It's a nine-week series, um, and so we've been really just taking our time uh, with this series because we've got got a little bit to go still, um, but this is just such a good and rich book for us to study today. Um, it's really, there's, there's a lot of references uh, to joy um, in, this, in this letter. And we've talked about that for a number of weeks, about this idea of contagious joy. And it's interesting um, that that just seems to be the main theme, because Paul actually wrote this letter uh, from prison. So the question almost has to be asked, how do you like write a book, a, a letter to people about joy, when you're in chains. And by the way, like it's hard for us to really get an idea of how, how crazy this is when we consider the time. I mean, it, it's not 2022 Paul is in prison. Like this is an early prison. Like conditions aren't necessarily easy. But Paul writes this letter from uh, prison to the Philippian church. The, the Philippian church has some, like, uh, just some special things about it to Paul. Because it was actually, it was the first, uh, the first uh, church he established in Eastern Europe. Uh, so it really holds some special significance uh, for Paul. Um, and it was, a, it was a, a city that would have been filled with, um, with uh, Roman uh, veterans that fought uh, uh, fought in wars and stuff, so it was just there was a lot of pride to be Roman. Like they were just really proud to be Roman. Like this is the this is the America of the Bible. Like they're just they're proud of who they are. Um, and so Paul would have met a little bit of resistance ushering in this new kind of kingdom uh, by him saying. Uh, Jesus is Lord would have not really sat well because they're like, no, Caesar, Caesar is Lord. Uh, so, so there would have been some resistance there just because of the pride they had of being Roman. You can actually read uh, when this church was established in Acts chapter 16. So if you were to go to Acts chapter 16, you can read all about how this church was established. And it details there a story uh, of this woman that they converted named Lydia. She was the first to be converted there. Um, and uh, then, they, then they actually are kind of walking around. And again, you can read this in Acts chapter 16. They're walking around and they meet this lady that's possessed by a demon. And they free her of this. 
And then immediately uh, her employers uh, drag, it says they drug Paul and Silas to the marketplace and they beat them and then threw them in prison. And after this, this is a familiar story we've talked about before. uh, Paul and Silas start to sing hymns and praying to God in prison at around midnight. And there's this great earthquake and all the prison doors open and the, the jailer wakes up and he's like about to take his own life because because of this happening. And Paul's like, hang on, hang on, like, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. Um, and then the jailer comes and falls at his feet by Paul and is like, well, what do I, what do I do to be saved? And they talk to him about placing their faith in the risen King Jesus. And he does that. And every single person that was in that jail is baptized. Like, what a cool way to establish a church. Um, so this is really how all of this happened. And, 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 and by the way, this isn't like the same time Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. He spent a lot of time in jail. Like this was just another time he was in jail. Uh, so how, how can you write this letter about this contagious joy being stuck in prison? Like there is, there is significant suffering there. And he was beaten, drug into the market, beaten and thrown into prison and He's singing hymns at midnight in jail. Like, this is just, this is just amazing. Well, we're going to dive into that together just to see. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, open it up to Philippians chapter 3. Um, I am so pumped that I get to talk about Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 14 is my life verse. And actually, like... Even in the beginning of the year when we were kind of, John and I were kind of talking about like who's preaching when, um, and I knew we were doing a series on Philippians, I specifically asked for Philippians chapter 3 because I just love what Paul talks about here. Like, I'm just so grateful that we can, we can uh, unpack this together. Um, so that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, John said at the beginning of this series that the main goal is to discover the joy of following and serving Christ. Let me say that again. The goal is to discover the joy of following and serving Christ. But before we get too far, as we do this, there's something I'm going to ask of you this morning. Um, Something that is really important for us to carry. Something that we actually carry with us. uh, That we have to leave at the door before we start to study scriptures. Have you ever ever noticed, like, there's times when you carry something with you and it affects the way you think about something. It affects the way you study something. Uh, That's really what I'm talking about this morning. There's this issue, this thing that we carry with us. And there are things that we carry with us that rob our joy in Christ. And especially when we read and we study Scripture. You know, we have a habit of doing this, of carrying things that really don't help us to see the power 
of what we're actually reading and learning about. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something we have to put off. Uh, the, the Bible actually talks about this idea because we're, we're new creations. Like, if we have placed our faith in Christ, we are new creations and the old is gone. Actually, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about this idea. It says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with uh, the truth, that is Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is actually called the put on, put off principle. Uh, it's found in scripture a number of times. Um, like, does anybody remember in elementary school when you had to put your thinking cap on? It's kind of like that, but I'm not going to make you do a motion or anything. Uh, but, but there's something we need to put off, and it's a word. It's one word. I feel like it should be a curse word. It's not a great word, and that word is entitlement. When we study Scripture, when we, when we read through this, we really have to put aside our entitlement. As we read this morning, church, as we read and study, we have to put off entitlement. And we have to put on our new self. That is in the very nature of Jesus in holiness and righteousness. Entitlement. Now, there may have been a couple reactions when I said entitlement. Um, So there's probably two. Uh, the first thing that may have popped in your head when you heard entitlement, uh, especially for us or for you that are in the older generation, uh, you may have thought, uh, young people, they're just so entitled. I've heard this for the past seven, eight years of my life. Young people are so entitled. And for the young people, you were like, great, here's another person saying I'm entitled. Uh, by the way, permit me like a 30-second rant. I don't feel like this generational finger pointing is really good for anybody. And I for sure don't think it's good for the church. But young people, I'm speaking for you because I'm one of you. And don't you dare tell me I'm not. We are entitled. But, but the truth is, we all act a little Entitled sometimes. Which may have been your second reaction. Maybe the second reaction was, I'm not, I don't not, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't act entitled. That's not me. That's not who I am. And if you really think that's you, I want you to go home and ask your spouse if you think you act entitled sometimes. That might be a bad idea. But, or for, for kids, if you want to go home and ask your parents if you act entitled sometimes. Also probably not a great idea, but the truth will be revealed. I think that one thing that COVID revealed to us is that we can all act a little entitled sometimes. And I promise you, I promise you, this is the last time, this is the last time I talk about COVID from the stage, okay? I promise. 
is the last time. But I was listening to a podcast that one of my pastor friends did, and he shared something in that podcast that was really concerning to me. He said, every other time in history that there has been a global pandemic, the church has actually come out of that stronger. Because Christians are usually the ones that are serving in self-sacrificial ways. They're usually the ones giving up their time and energy to serve and bless others. So every other time in history that we've had a global pandemic, the church has come out stronger. This is the first time in history that we're coming out of a global pandemic and the church is weaker. Because all of us have our opinions and thoughts and uh, all these things that we think that we're entitled to that contributed to this. Now, before you throw anything at me, I'm not saying that uh, you guys are all a bunch of entitled people and I'm fine. No, like I, I act entitled sometimes. Um, and, and it's embarrassing. I'll share a story and it's going to reveal something about my heart. And, um, I'm sorry that you have to hear it this morning, but, uh, I went, uh, to Columbus with my mom about a wee, little over a week ago, uh, to spend some time down there to help her out as she gets some treatment. And, uh, um, we were hungry one time and we were like, we're going to order DoorDash. If you don't know what DoorDash is, you like um, pick a restaurant, what you want, and then somebody delivers it to your, to your house or your hotel in this case. And so it was great. Like We were like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's get DoorDash. Um, so uh, first step is to you put in like your address and where you're at and, and delivery instructions. And for me, it was like, okay, we're in room 208. Um, at the Stay Bridge on Olentangy River Road. That's where we're at. But here's the address. And then you can select if you want them to like leave it at your door or if, or if they'll hand it to you. And I was like, well, I'd prefer you hand it to me. Just, I just think that would be the most convenient way to do it. Um, and of course, then, then you decide, what do you want? And we're in Columbus. Of course, I want the Lord's chicken. So we get Chick-fil-A. And we get that ordered. Like, I'm not about that enemy raising Cain's chicken. Like, all of you need to, like, check your relationship with Christ. Just kidding. But we get Chick-fil-A. And then, like, when you order, there's actually, like, a map that pops up. And you can, like, track your order. Like, you can watch your delivery driver look around. Sometimes they get kind of lost. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, you're jumping over here, going over here. Like... So, so you can watch them, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching, and they say, hey, your delivery is going to come at any minute, so I get all excited because we're getting chicken, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I get a notification, your food has been delivered. And I was like, what are you talking about? Am I holding the delicious Lord's chicken in my hand right now? No, I am not. What are you talking about? It's been delivered. Then it, then it gives me a picture because the driver has to, has to send a picture of where he put it. They left it down in the hotel lobby on, on, like, a, on like a coffee table down there. Like you're clearly not understanding the dilemma I was in. I had to put a shirt on. I had to go downstairs, get in the elevator, go down to get my food. And I was like, what? And like legit, 
I was super annoyed. I was like, I'm going to leave this guy a bad review. Again, this like is revealing something in my heart that isn't great. But, but like uh, the thing, my thought process is this. I've driven for DoorDash before. Like I've, I've, I've been a DoorDash driver before. Because you can sign up and you can make deliveries and make a little extra cash sometimes. So my thought process is like, when, when I get a notification that says, hand it to me, I hand it to the customer. So if anyone is entitled to giving a bad review, it's me. And right there, I knew I got a problem. Actually, Raquel, I, I was going on and on about it. And Raquel was like, just relax. Like, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess I am overreacting about this a little bit. But do you know what I mean? Like, we have this idea of entitlement with us. And like, this morning, the title of the sermon is The Greatness of Knowing Christ. Like, how, how can we understand the greatness of knowing Christ when we think that we are entitled to anything? Like, we can't. So for all of us this morning, I just ask, can we, can we just leave that at the door as we open, like, can we do that this morning? Like, can we do that? Like, three of you are nodding your heads. So, okay, we're going to dive into it. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. Father, what, what we have not this morning, give us. And Father, what we are not, make us. Father, thank you for your word and the things that it does in our lives. And Father, for you who who spent time on this earth and died on a cross for us, Father. Work in us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we need a little bit of framework. So we are going to dive into uh, chapter 3 now. Uh, We do need a little bit of a framework for what's happening here. So I'm going to kind of start in the middle, um, and, and I'm kind of going to kind of jump ahead to next week a little bit, but just, just a little bit, just for a framework. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, uh, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and keep your eyes on those who live as we do. This seems kind of like at first glance, it seems a little boastful. Like, you're like Paul is talking about like, like, Follow, follow me. Like, imagine John or I being up here like, hey, like, follow my example. Do what I do. Like, that doesn't really sit well with us. But when we, when we really understand the full context of what Paul is saying here, he's like, hey, I haven't, like, I haven't un- attained some level of perfection. Like, I'm not perfect. But, like, one thing I do is I press on. I keep going. I keep following God's call in my life. So, so follow me as I do that. So that's really the full context of what he's talking about. But all of uh, chapter 3, Paul is really using his life as an example uh, of how to live. Um, so that's really the framework that I want us to, to, to get from this. Uh, so now we're going to go back to the beginning. So let's dive into verse 1. And we're going to go through verse 11 this morning. Um, So verse 1 says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. 
It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit. Who boast in Christ Jesus and who put, who put no confidence in the flesh. There's a little bit of irony um, in, this, in this reference to dogs. Because traditionally, the Jewish community would have called Gentiles dogs. But here Paul is talking about a Jewish community that still wants to teach that salvation comes through obedience to the law. And he's saying, watch out. Like, watch out for the mutilators of the flesh. And Paul is saying, we are, we are the true circumcision. The ones who, who boast in Christ Jesus. Like, he is the way to attain salvation. Don't put, don't put any confidence in, in the flesh. But, but, but focus on your relationship with Jesus. Like he is the one that we place our faith to. Don't put confidence in anything else. Don't put confidence in the mission trip that you're going on. Don't put confidence in the 365 Bible reading plan that you've got going. Don't put confidence in the fact that you go to church every single Sunday and you don't go out late and do sinful things. Don't put confidence in those things. Like, I understand that you go to church and that you teach kids and you do all of these great things for Jesus. Those are great, but don't, don't put your confidence in that. Put it only in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Paul says in verse 4, though I myself... Have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul says, I know some of you are thinking that I preach in churches sometimes and, and that you paid for water wells to be dug. But, but, but if anyone, if anyone thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh, it's me. Like, I have more. So whatever you think that you have, I have more. Like, according to the law, Paul is saying that He's faultless. He did everything right. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. I did all the right things. So, so, so don't come talk to me and say that, that you have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. If, if anyone has reasons for that, it's me. Like, I should have confidence in my own righteousness. But, verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Garbage, by the way, is a very G-rated version of what Paul is actually saying here. Paul actually calls it dung. Like, it's nothing. It's trash. It absolutely doesn't matter what righteousness that I think that I have. In fact, what I do think I have is filth. It's trash. It's nothing. It's nothing in comparison to knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. It's nothing compared to that. Notice the words he uses in verse, verse 8. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's really hard to see anything as surpassing worth when we think that we are entitled to something. Like, I deserve this. I deserve that. No. No, we really, we really don't. We really don't deserve anything. This reminds me of another uh, passage um, that's actually in Luke chapter 14. Um, and it's, it's actually something that Jesus said. He said, uh, if you don't hate your family and love me, you, you can't be my followers. Like, like, if you don't understand the surpassing worth of knowing me in comparison to knowing anything else, like, that gap is so large, you can't be my disciples. And this is really what I was talking about with that entitlement thing. Like, it's really hard it's really hard to understand that, like, if we think that we deserve anything. Like, the margin is so large. It's trash. It's dung by comparison. And it's really hard to distinguish the difference between the trash and the treasure if we think we're entitled to something. Like, we are keeping, we sometimes keep the trash and throw out the treasure. There's an old saying that was like that, throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Who are we to think that we deserve anything, especially by the merits of our own righteousness? In fact, we really don't deserve anything. There is one thing that the Bible says we do deserve. For the wages of sin is death. This is what scripture reveals what we deserve. Like our own righteousness. It won't save us. We need righteousness from somewhere else. An imputed righteousness. Imputed. Now that's a word we don't use all that often. It's like I imputed butter onto my bagel this morning. So where do we put our confidence Where do we put it then? Verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Justification, not from the law, but from the life 
and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Putting our faith in him alone will save us. This really points us back to just a beautiful depiction of the gospel. Um, something we talked about a couple weeks ago in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 through 8 of Philippians chapter 2 says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus, who, right, if anybody, Jesus, who is entitled to be exalted and honored, humbled himself, became a servant and was obedient to the cross and he defeated sin and death and he rose again from the grave and now he offers us life, his righteousness, his justification. If we just place our faith in him, the name above every Name. I really, I want, think about this. The name above every name. Like forget, forget your entitlement. Forget what you think that you deserve. The name above every name did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage, but instead paid the price for our sin and our death on a tree. The name that is above every name. And here we are. Fooling about. Thinking that our trash. Is good enough for us. To save us. We aren't entitled to the bigger and better thing. We really aren't. What we need, what we need is a bigger and better view of Jesus. We need a bigger and better view of grace. You don't sing in prison because you got what you deserved. You can't have joy in hard times because you got that thing you wanted. No, we sing in prison when we realize we didn't get what we do deserve. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ. How many of you are saying that this morning? God, I want to know you. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And participation in his suffering. And becoming like him in death. And so somehow, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To spend eternity 
with him? Where is your confidence this morning? Maybe you're saying yourself to what Paul said here. Yes, I want to know Christ. I have tried to base everything off, off my own goodness, off my own strength. But, but, but I, I want to know Christ. If that's you this morning, I want you to know our prayer team is going to make themselves available down here. After we sing a song, you can, you can pray with them and talk to them. And we're going to sing, declaring that even on the day that we are weak, we will still sing His praises unending. Oh, the greatness of knowing Christ. Father, this morning, we confess that sometimes we think that we deserve this or we deserve that. That we base, we base our, own, uh, our own idea of salvation on our own merits off of ourself. Father, thank you for your word. That reveals to us the truth. That Father you. You paid the ultimate price. That Father while there was anybody. That was entitled to honor and glory. It was you. But you made yourself nothing. And so Father this morning. We, we put off. The things that we think. Will save us the trash because of the surpassing worth of knowing you. We love you, Lord.